Hey guys, Easton here. Real quick, today's free version of The Mike Herndon Show is a film room segment, which of course has a pretty serious video component. If you just want to listen via podcast, no problem. Keep listening. But if you want to watch and see the film that we're breaking down, there's a link in the description of this podcast. You can click to get to the free YouTube version of today's Mike Herndon Show. Enjoy. Mike Herndon Show, week 13. Oh my God, it's getting late in the season all of a sudden. Uh, I am Mike Herndon, uh, and I am joined by Easton Fries, our director of published content for BroadwaySportsMedia.com, the wonderful website that brings you this show and and many others. Um, And today we will be talking about, obviously, Titans, Bengals, uh, the loss at Nissan Stadium, uh, and then flipping ahead and getting into uh, some Eagles preview uh, for this week's game. So how, how are we doing today, Easton? Mike, I'm good. Uh, very busy, as are you, it sounds like, from our pre-show discussion. But um, this is the time of year, right? It's it's kind of, uh, at least for me, I find myself getting busier and busier in the lead-up to the holidays and Christmas and everything. And then everything is a, kind of a hard shut-off once it's time for the holidays. So uh, it's, a, it's a good time of year. This is maybe my favorite time of the year, but it's very busy. Um, but I'm excited to be talking about a little football this morning with you and getting into some film study. Absolutely. I think it's like, yeah, this this week and then and next week are kind of the weeks where it feels like, you know, work is still going full speed, you know, and you've got family stuff added to the mix and getting ready for the holidays and shopping. And, well, it's a lot of catching up stuff. from Thanksgiving at the same time as trying to get ahead for Christmas. And so it, yeah. that, those two things don't work well together in terms of there's only 24 hours in the day. But we move, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about the Titans' loss at, against the Bengals this past weekend. A little bit of film to go into, um, some positives to take away from this game, and we'll have a lot to talk about surrounding that. And then, of course, we'll get into all of our uh, discussion surrounding this upcoming Eagles game, which I think is one of the more fascinating games the Titans have played all year from a narrative standpoint. There's a whole lot to talk about in the lead up to that one. So excited to get into that. But first, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. This Bengals game, there are two main things that you wanted to talk about, one of which is a quarterback on the defensive side of the ball who I think everybody didn't quite see coming. I joked with you before we started the show that, you know, it was either going to be Trey Avery or Caleb Farley who was going to be the breakout quarterback one for this team. And you just it was only a matter of time until we figured out who was who. Turns out it's Trey Avery. He's been pretty fantastic for the Titans undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, this is his first year, and, um, you know, he's he's kind of made a name for himself on the team in recent weeks, and he might actually be good. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of shocking because, I mean, I think even among the UDFA class, when, you know, everyone looked at it, you know, preseason and everything, it was – he was probably one of the ones lowest on the totem pole as far as, like, what people thought – he would do if you look at his like PFF grades and everything from college at Rutgers that last year, he was like one of the worst cornerbacks in college football. <laughs> now he tested well athletically. So that, that I think is the thing he, he did test well athletically and there, that is probably why the Titans had some interest. Um, in yeah, And you know, if a guy comes in and he's coachable and he's got the athletic traits and, and, and things like that, maybe you can turn him into something. I think that's kind of what they did with tier tart. Uh, you know, they, they've yeah. been able to mine some, some solid UDFA 
talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, Avery could be something. And he was really good in this game. Uh, again, after being really good against Green Bay the previous week, um, he is – you can see the change of direction stuff with him. And, and this snap is a good example of that. Um, he's at the bottom of the screen, screen working against Trenton Irwin, another uh, UDFA uh, rookie, the, the, uh, the Bengals wide receiver, who obviously he had one of the best catches I've seen this year uh, on that back shoulder throw. And Irwin, for what it's worth, is not exactly your normal UDFA either. He was a – five-star recruit coming out of high school. Wow. Um, Where did he play college? uh, He went to go play at Stanford, and Stanford doesn't throw the ball very much, so he didn't produce a ton at Stanford. I think he had some injury issues at Stanford, ended up going undrafted. The the guy's actually pretty talented. So this this matchup, while you say, oh, well, you know, he's he's putting the clamps on Trenton Irwin here, big deal. Right. Irwin is actually a fairly talented guy, so this is not as as, – nothing as you might think uh, right. from a matchup standpoint, but the change of direction there from, from Avery really at the top of the route is what I want to highlight. He's at the bottom of the screen again. And just, yeah, you can see he, he kind of gives him a little wiggle, a little shake trying to get to this out route and, and he just eats it up. I mean, the, the throw ends up being high um, and, and not catchable anyways, but there's no way everyone's there's making no that catching play. that. I mean, no. He is, he is all over him. Uh, and that is a difficult route to cover um, for a corner who's sitting there with inside leverage, uh, you know, trying to keep the outbreaker from from getting open. Because that is, that is something, you know, you don't want to get beat there, obviously, uh, that close to the goal line, especially. Uh, and, you know, he's able to sit on that route. And then again, you know, again, bottom of the screen. Uh, I think it's the same matchup with Erwin uh, again here. Um, and really, it's kind of a similar route. And again, yeah. like gets his hand in there, breaks the ball, breaks <laughs> up the pass at, at the point of uh, the catch. I mean, this is like really, really good stuff. I mean, he's sitting on the marker. He knows, you know, kind of what the down and distance situation is here. Um, and, and he's able to break and make a play on the ball. And like, this is something that he's done a lot of. I mean, over the past just two games he has three pass breakups um and you know teams have targeted him targeted him 11 times in the past two weeks obviously like when he comes in the game teams are throwing at him because uh, you know he's a name on the depth chart you're like trey avery circle that name let's find him on the field right Exactly. You're not you're not going to go after Fulton. You're not probably going to go after McCreary, who's played pretty well as a rookie as well. Um, so you you go after Avery and like, look, the, he played 18 total snaps. Uh, 16 of those were coverage snaps, you know, because they may, mainly bring him in in their dime packages. Uh, so a lot of a lot of this stuff came on third downs. But the Bengals threw the ball on 16 of those 18 snaps. They targeted Avery on seven of those 16 snaps that he was in the game. So almost half the snaps he played in coverage, they threw it at him and they only completed two uh, for 28 yards. And I Very think impressive. Uh, 16 of those came on the uh, the great play by Irwin, where it was just, there was literally nothing that, that Avery could have done about that. that no, perfect ball throw. placement, perfect catch. Yep. Yeah. So Look how Jack the sideline is, by the way, when he, when he makes this, when he makes this play, everybody is very excited about the Trey Avery era that we have entered here. <laughs> exactly. And and I do think it's um, it's one of those situations where, you know, 
he's playing in a pretty limited package, right? So it's not asking to do like, much. No, he hasn't played a lot. Um, and he, most of what the Titans do on third down is man coverage. So they are they are putting him in a spot where he's running a lot of man coverage. He's kind of you know. They're not asking him to think a whole lot. So we're, we're, we'll see if he's able to, like, graduate to a full-time player at some point. But the skills I think he's, like he's warranted some more, some more play based Absolutely. on how he's performed. Absolutely. And it is hilarious here that all three of these clips, they threw the same route to the same guy against Avery, and all three did not work. I and guess the fourth time was the charm, yeah. Yeah. So in this one, yeah, again, it's – you know, he's playing off coverage, he's in his back pedal, and then he comes out of his break quickly and gets downhill and makes a play and ends up, you know, forcing this ball to be uh, incomplete. I, I know it kind of looks like he catches it on this view, but he, uh, I think he either juggled it as he was coming down. Or he, didn't I, I remember that the, the ground broke up the the uh, the completion. It wasn't a completion all the way to the ground, yeah. That's right, that's right. So, yeah, so, I mean, again, there's really, really good stuff from him. Um uh, you know, in this game and then in the last game against uh, Green Bay as well. So I just wanted to highlight Trey, Ever- Trey Avery, who is, by the way, tied for the team lead in pass breakups. Wow. Um, through, through, I'm sure, the lowest snap count of any of the qualified cornerbacks on the team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he he has uh, – and that's among corners only, not, not okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, PBU, uh, you know, God, uh, Tier Tart. Right. Um <laughs> who I think, I think he might still have the team lead uh, technically. So wow. Um, but Avery, look, Avery, Avery's making a lot of good plays for them the last couple of weeks. I just want to highlight him a little bit and show kind of what he's done well. And you know, if you project forward, obviously the Titans expected Caleb Farley to kind of be that guy uh, to to be a part of this group with Fulton and with McCreary and Molden and all that. And, and, you know, they're going to want to run some dime packages and stuff like that, obviously with, with probably all those guys on the field, but it looks like Avery is taking that spot that, that Farley was going to have. And Hey, if he can play like this, like it's, it's fine. Like We're now in the NFL. Nobody cares where you were drafted. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Just play. So well, I, yeah, I think that's something to be excited about on, it on the defensive. Definitely side. is. I agree entirely. We now have a handful of clips, uh, not nearly as positive, but I do think it's interesting and poignant this week as the Titans are looking to face an even better scrambling quarterback than Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, who's been fantastic with his legs all season long. In the Cincinnati game, the Titans allowed Joe Burrow, as they have allowed Patrick Mahomes a couple of times now, and as they allowed Josh Allen even earlier in the season, to run on them a little bit more than you would like. And ultimately, it wasn't the the play of just the running backs that conglomerated into a bad rushing def- defensive rush performance day for the Titans. It was the combination of their running backs in key spots getting uh, five or six yards and first downs, as well as their inability to keep Joe Burrow corralled in the pocket. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, like Samaje Pirine was good in this game. I thought he played a, a really good game and he forced a ton of missed tackles. Like the Titans had an uncharacteristic uh, amount of missed tackles in this game. Uh, David Long had several. Monty Hooker had a few. Um, I, I thought it was a tough game for Dylan Cole just from a mm-hmm. run fit standpoint. And I thought he yes. missed uh his assignment a few times um but it's uh 
it wasn't really P Ryan that killed them on the ground. It was more Burrow because mm-hmm. I mean, P Ryan ultimately rushed, you know, 17 times for 58 yards, which is, you know, 3.4 yards per carry. Not, not the best like total the Titans have, have, you no. know, allowed a running back to have all year, but uh, certainly better than, than what they had been giving up. But really it was Burrow. Burrow ended up with, uh, you know, 32 rushing yards himself. Um, and a lot of them came on stuff like this and, and it was sitting in the pocket and, and the Titans getting out of their rush lanes a little bit. And here, like, you know, part of this is, this is a blitz. You know, obviously they, they go with the simulated pressure to look, they drop, I think they, it was Bud Dupree that they drop out of, uh, coverage on this play. Uh, and they bring David Long from the second level and, and he is able to get pressure, um, on Burrow and, and he, has a, probably a little bit of a gripe for a hold here as, as he tries to break free and, and kind of gets pulled down by Pirine. Um, but ultimately there's a lot of space in the middle there. Like even, even if he's not held, I don't think he's making this play. Um, and, and the reason for that ends up being, yeah, look, they've got they the just, entire left side of the, the Bengals offensive line corrals the D tackles well in a way that opens up a massive gap. Yeah, it's a it's a huge gap over there, and then Simmons is just kind of you know over on the other side, out of the play, uh, you know, out of the play completely. So you've got, and, and look, Tier Tart, I, I love Tier Tart as a player and and the role that he gives this team, but he is not an athlete in space. If you get the quarterback no. in space against Tier Tart, it is over. Like he is he is not going to be able to run with Joe Maybe. Burrow. He's certainly not going to be able to run with Jalen Hurts. And so you get these wide open lanes for the quarterback to step up into. And anytime a quarterback sees, you know, especially if there's pressure or good coverage, you know, if, anytime a quarterback sees an opening just part uh, in the middle like that, they're going to take it. I mean, this is easy, easy yardage uh, here that, you know, really any quarterback could take this. I mean, Burrow is a good scrambler. He's a pretty good runner and underrated part of his game, but mm-hmm. uh, any quarterback, I mean, we saw Matt Ryan run for what, 30 yards in that, that one game. <laughs> was yeah. that the Eagles that, that uh, he did that against? I, I forget remember. who it was, but it was like, he had more, it was his like career show. longest rush at like 38 years old, which is hilarious. The thing that caught my eye on this play, Mike, is the fact that Burrow's committing to the run here. And I think it's Dylan Cole in coverage here across the middle on the tight end who, for some reason, I mean, look at this. He he seems yeah. to recognize the fact that Burrow has now committed to the run. You can see Cole trying to shift his direction. Then he, he continues to – what is he doing? He continues to follow the, the tight end and just leaves Burrow all this space. That's, yeah. that's not a, a good heads-up play on his part at all. Yeah, I thought this was by far Cole's worst game uh, of the season for for the Titans. And, you know, I, I don't know if we're getting to the point where, you know, the Dylan Cole uh, magic Experiment. is worn off. <laughs> right. Um, but it's uh, it was it was not a great game for him. So, yeah, you're right. He, he does uh, leave leave Burrow a little extra yardage uh, on that play. But it was this was a consistent theme of this game. And again, like the Titans rush. This is actually the one where Bud drops out. But look at all the time. I mean, it, the Titans were not able to get pressure consistently. I, you know, if you watch, uh, you know, this one does not have Jeffrey Simmons in the game. So right now your rush group is Mario Edwards. Uh, I think that's uh, Kevin Strong and um, Demarcus Walker. 
uh, along with with David Long blitzing, and it, like this this Titans team misses Danico Autry, it misses healthy Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, you're going to have some some snaps with backups in the game, but all the time in the world, and then he's just able to step up and escape the pocket. Um, so when when you do blitz. You know, and the Titans don't blitz much, but when they send David Long on some of these simulated pressures and stuff like that, you got to get home, and and he just does not win on this blitz. And and it's again, it's just an easy uh, step up with nobody open, and you kind of feel, or at least I, I felt for the defensive backs in this game. I, I thought coverage was really good for the most part in this game, um, with very few exceptions. But the the pass rush just just did not get home and Burrow either had a lot of time or a lot of space to step up into when, when it came down to it. Now, a lot of the stuff that they did was quick game stuff. Like they, they got the ball out of his hand. They weren't going to sit there and let him get sacked nine times. But even when the Titans did have opportunities like this one, where he's holding the ball, holding the ball in the pocket, they're just not getting off blocks and winning. You know, like it is, it was apparent all game that, that they just were not winning against this Bengals offensive line, which is not that good. I mean, this is not a very good Bengals offensive line. Um, it's a better one than, than what we saw certainly in the playoffs last year, but this is not a strong group. So now Mike, for those of us that have a lesser trained eye when it comes to studying film, help, help us understand when you're looking at a, a pass rush like this and you talk about how, the rushing lane integrity wasn't very great for the Titans in this game. They allowed too many big gaps for Joe Burrow to at his disposal. If he chose to run, he had them in this play in particular. Is there somebody who's responsible for, you know, uh, this rushing lane that he ends up taking, or is this just a matter of the, the rush has to get home. You have to collapse the pocket and they didn't manage to do that. Yeah, I think it's it's more of a matter of you need to collapse the pocket because it, there really isn't somebody on this play specifically that I felt like, uh, you know, they're really out of position. Like Demarcus Walker doesn't really run past him. Like, you, you know, you sometimes see a guy will, you know, just run the arc around and right. run himself out of the play, but he doesn't do that. But he's just not athletic enough really as, you know, as Burrow starts to break the pocket, he's not athletic enough to close him down, um, you know, Dupree would be, you know, obviously he's dropped into coverage on this play. And I know people get mad about that, um, but that's just a part of this scheme. It's a part of if you're going to run simulated pressures, somebody has to drop. That's right. And, and, yeah. and frankly, in terms of offensive linemen at their disposal right now, I'm, Bud might be the only guy that I trust to drop into coverage. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I trust yeah. to drop into coverage, but beyond that, you don't really love anybody else doing it. And it's why I still do think like Ola Daney coming back will be That's helpful big. for them. Yes, um, he can do that he as well. Give them some athleticism on the edge. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of those situations where you just don't have good enough athletes in there. You're not compressing the pocket like that. That is one of the things that the Titans, when they're at their best as a pass rush, do really well is they just squeeze the pocket. Everything is tight, so the lanes for Burrow to step out of would be smaller and maybe you can grab him on his way out and, and pull him down versus when everyone's just spread out, you know, there's just five yards in between for him to step up and run through safely. So it is a matter of, you know, when Simmons is healthy, when Autry is in there, um, you know, Dupree is good about compressing the pocket. That's something that he does really well as well. Um, well, and we can talk about that a little bit because I think, 
in my opinion, and, and you correct me if you think that, that this is wrong, Autry and Simmons, in terms of the Titans' pass, pass rush, they're the straws that stir this drink. And the fact that neither of them are really present in the way that they need to be, of course, Autry physically not present, and Simmons clearly hampered by his ankle for going on a month now, that's, I think, hamstrung this pass rush in a way that has caused the defense to kind of stall in terms of their dominance up front. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's clear that both those guys are critical to what they do um, as a pass rush group. And, and I mean, that interior pressure is kind of their bread and butter. I mean, that, they right. Dupree is a decent edge rusher, um, but he is not really in the mold of like, again, like the Miles Garretts or – uh, the Joey Bosa's or Nick Bosa's or whatever, you know, they, they aren't, he's not a, a top of the line kind of just do it all beat a tackle over right. and over and over again. Um, he does compress the pocket really well. He does create all sorts of other issues and he's great at cleaning up because he's such a good athlete. Um, but when you don't have that and you don't have the interior pressure, it just, it becomes a lot harder to do what the Titans really do well. Um, which is compress the pocket and leave the quarterback nowhere to go um, when those big guys start to, you know, close in on the cylinder. So it's just, it's, it, you have to have the, the, the guys to be able to do it. And look, I, I think Demarcus Walker's had a good season. I think Mario Edwards has had a good season. But they're, but they're compliment not the same. They're yeah, compliments. They can't be. And it's like, it's like Nick Westbrook Akina has had a pretty nice year now that he's able to play the wide receiver three or four position. But last year when he was forced into the wide receiver one or two position, it was a disaster. Those guys are great when they get to be complementary pieces to the dominance of guys like Autry and Simmons. But when they have to be the frontline guys, it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. They can do a job. They can't do, they can't make, you know, the special things happen that, that Autry and Simmons and, and those guys can. So, um, and again, like here, Simmons is in the game, but he's doubled um, as you know usual, and it makes it a lot easier to double him with Autry not in the mix. Yes, um, you know Dupree actually does get pressure here, but he goes inside to get that pressure, mm-hmm. um, which you know it's one of those things where if you go inside, you have no to risk it, no him. biscuit. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> so you know. I don't totally mind him going inside there and, and trying to get him off the spot, but like you can see. Here's this is one of the plays where I I think it's clear how how much Jeffrey Simmons is laboring because if you watch him I mean yes he's double teamed but he is just I mean he he's barely running yeah. to chase this down after after the play I mean and that is usually one of his calling cards is he plays with his hair on fire uh, all the time and you know he's barely running you know you can see Tear Tart is just not an athlete in the same way that some of these other guys are you know anytime yeah. you see him chasing down it's he's kind of an i mean tart is he's kind of an old school run stuffer just a, he just yeah. is a big body that that fills up space and that's great for the run defense and he actually does have some pass rush abilities so he's a great player again when he has guys around him who can handle the true athlete role but yeah. he, he can't do all three of those things yeah and, and, and it's clear to me like simmons just is not is not right. Um, so, you know, these pass rush, like if you do this against Jalen Hurts, for instance, you know, going inside like this, 
without somebody coming over the top. It's be a forty yard game. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> that that's the kind of play that turns into a touchdown, right? Yes. So, um, Burrow is is a good runner. Hertz is a great runner. Um, so it is uh, going to be critical this week that the Titans really clean up some of this stuff. Well, and we can almost guarantee that's going to be – Kevin Byard has said multiple times this week that their number one priority on defense is fixing the the run defense and, and their run scheme, gap integrity, all of that. But for the defensive front, absolutely number one priority this week is going to be that coaching staff is going to drill into them the capture and contain – or the, the contain, not capture – uh, method that they've employed a number of times, both successfully and unsuccessfully against these running quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like Burrow is a different animal in the fact that if you just keep him in the pocket, he can beat you from the pocket consistently. Like that, yes. that is something that he can do at a really high level. Um, yeah, Burrow's one of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, arguably top five. So it's just, sure. it's just how it goes. And, and I think hurts, you know, for all that he's been, out for all of his improvements is He's still not a guy that is not as dangerous. Like you saw what the, that's basically what the Colts did to him, right? Like they yep. kept him in the pocket. It was, it was like everything was just compressed in the pocket and the intent was he is not going to run on us. He is going to, you know, you're going to have to throw it, especially getting into your second, third reads where things start to get a little bit muddy, a little bit messy, that's where the the Colts wanted him to live in that game. That's part of why they really struggled offensively in that game. And that's what the Titans need to force him to do. I think the Titans know that. Um, it's just going to come down to – I mean, knowing it and executing, executing it are two different things. Yes. And if you cannot keep that pocket tight, like if you allow the, the Eagles to successfully flatten out that pocket and you can't get any edge pressure, you can't get any interior push – it's impossible to keep the lanes tight because there's just becomes at some point too much space for four guys basically to, to maintain, uh, especially when they're not nearly as good of an athlete as the guy that they're chasing. So um, it, it is, that is one of the biggest games within the game this week uh, for the Titans in, in this Eagles matchup. And it's something that, you know, it probably wasn't the same level of focus last week uh, against Burrow, but it, it's, it's something that became apparent that it was an issue in this game. Yeah. And then this one, I believe this one is the, uh, yeah, this is the third down. This was one of the kind of bigger backbreaking plays of the game. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Titans run a lot of man coverage on third downs. That's kind of their, their MO. Um, and, you know, David Long, he's bluffing kind of the, uh, the blitz there at first, and then he drops out and he is in man coverage against Travion Williams, the running back. He eventually gets kind of shook because the pass rush does not get there. So like, you know, the Titans need to get home. It's third down. You can't let him buy this extra time. Um, and really, I mean, Burrow could have run for the first down or threw for it. It was easier for him to just throw for it. Cause well, that's uh, really on Weaver, right? I mean, he gets chipped off the block. Yeah. And it's and pushed he inside, goes. and he can't contain the edge. Yeah, if he were yeah. able to contain the edge, there'd be a different story on this play. Yeah, that is 100% on Weaver um, because, yeah, he, he gets chipped, and rather than fight back, he just kind of lets the blocks take him where they want him to go. Plays um, right into their hand, yep. And, you know, he does end up pushing the pocket, but it's it, without any sort of help to, to corral Burrow, and, and so that becomes kind of useless pressure uh, at that point. So – 
again, like, and I know that the, the Titans have done a better job of this in, against other matchups, but this this game, it was just very apparent that that was a major problem. And it was a major part of why they lost this game, frankly, because overall the defense didn't play that poorly. Um, like, yeah, I know people, you know, a lot of people are griping about the defense in this game, but it was, you know, they gave up, what, 374 total yards, Um well, yeah, Mike, I, I tweeted this on Sunday covering the game from the press box. The defense didn't play their best game, but also they only allowed 20 points. And in true Denver Broncos analysis fashion, I went and looked. If the Titans offense managed to score 23 or more points in every game this year, they'd be 9-1 and or they'd be 10-1 and one now. So, like, yeah. they're still holding teams to 20 points or fewer consistently each and every week. That's supposed to be enough. Yeah, it, it is supposed to be enough. And, like, this this defensive performance was not bad. It just wasn't good enough in certain specific areas. And those pass rush lanes I thought were one of them. I thought the tackling was was particularly poor in this game. I know uh, – I think it was either Vrabel or Bowen mentioned double-digit missed tackles uh, in this game that they counted. Um, and, I, you know – that was something that stood out to me. Piran was good. Look, Piran was a good good player in this game. He's a good player in general. I, I think he's underrated. That's why when Mixon was ruled out, I wasn't like, oh, wow, Not that's a huge deal. deal. I, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, Piran's just about as good as Mixon, frankly. So, um, But I want to, real quick, before we look at this last clip, I, that's an interesting topic to me, and I think it's kind of a canary in the coal mine for this team from a season-wide narrative standpoint looking forward we we've grown and i think the the team and the offense and the coaching staff have kind of grown accustomed to this defense being able to bail them out when when they need it and credit to the defense they've been so fantastic over the past year and change they've been able to do that for the most part but as we've seen in this game and as we've seen in a, a couple of games in the past year or so whenever the defense does again not even have a bad day because this wasn't a bad day Whenever they don't have a dominant performance that we've grown accustomed to seeing from them, this team, frankly, hasn't done a very good job of being able to pick up the slack elsewhere. And in the in the you know stretch run of the season here and then into the playoffs, you have to be able to, ve- to develop the rest of your team, and they have to be powerful enough to be able to pick up that slack when inevitably the defense – like the defense is not going to play however five, five or six straight regular season games left – and then three straight playoff games, all, all nine or ten of those games be just dominant in the way that we're used to seeing them play that way. Like, they're going to have at least one, probably more, games in which they get beat. And the, the rest of the team has to be able to compensate for that, and they haven't been. Yeah, and I think that's a fair point because it is – in this game, again, like, the defense had – it was 13-13, you know, in, in the fourth quarter. That, that play that I'd just shown where Burrow hit Travion Williams, that was kind of the precursor to, uh, I think, the eventual last last touchdown that they scored. Yes. Um, and, you know, look, there was a couple plays on that drive where they could have gotten out of, uh, out of trouble, gotten out of that drive, you know, saved the day once again, given the offense a chance to go – uh, win the game with like 16 points. Uh, but that shouldn't be – it's not fair to expect that from this group every single That's week. That's my if point, you, exactly. If you are expecting that from this group every week, this is going to be what you are. You're just going to be a team that, 
you know, it's always going to be in a close game, but you're, you're not going to have the horsepower to get over some of these top groups because, you know, Kansas City, Buffalo, you know, Cincinnati, they are going to score. Like, they are going to score points. I think Miami probably falls into that category, too, with their weapons as long as they're healthy. Um, So it is – those teams are going to score points. You've got to at least be able to put up some points with them. Right, and I'll get off my soapbox. My my final point is this, that it it all comes back to, for me, when you enter these games as a Titans fan or an analyst, if I were able to tell you, hey, you're going to hold Kansas City to 20 points in in regulation – Hey, you're going to hold Cincinnati to 20 points in regulation. That that you would take that all day long, considering the weapons and, and the firepower of these offenses. That is, it should be enough. And frankly, it's about all that you can ask for. I think from any defense against these high power offenses. So the the Titans, outside of the defense on special teams and on offense in particular, they have to start pulling their weight. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, if you look, that that was the third, uh, or no, I'm sorry, the fourth lowest total that the Bengals have, have scored all year. Um, so it was an above average defensive performance considering the opponent. Um, it, it just wasn't quite enough for uh, for the Titans to get the win, unfortunately. Because essentially what this game came down to, and, and I don't have, I didn't use a lot of, or I didn't really do anything uh, clips-wise for the offense in this game, but what it came down to was, the Titans could not convert in the red zone, which you know yep. is an anomaly. In the red zone, so you lose games. Excellent in the red zone. That has been their calling card over the last you know four years now. Uh, but they could not get it done in the red zone. They went zero for three. They kicked two, or they kicked three field goals, missed one of them. Uh, so they got six total points out of three red zone trips, and that t- ultimately is the whole difference in the game. I mean, if you look at everything else. Yardage wise, uh, yards per play, um, everything else was about even between these two teams. But the Bengals did a better job of converting in the red zone. They, you know, they got the the one red zone touchdown. They had the other touchdown. I think was just outside of the red zone. Um, but they converted their their red zone trips more consistently into points than what the Titans did, and, and that is ultimately the difference in the game. Because if the Titans convert two of, let's say two of those uh, trips into touchdowns, which, you know, their, their rate had been like 75%, you know, 70% range. Yeah. 74.1% coming into the game. It, it was, so it's reasonable to expect two out of three are going to be touchdowns. And then the third is probably a field goal. So if you get 17 points instead of six, <laughs> it was, it's 11 point swing there. You're I mean, you're talking right. about uh, an easy win. Uh, versus a uh, a tight loss, so it is. That is the difference in this game. Ultimately, like yeah, that's what it came came down to. And the red zone issues, in my opinion, were not, um, not like alarm bells going off in the like the red zone offense is broken. It was well, they couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't run the ball all game. And penalty, all penalties that. killed one of them. Yeah, penalties killed one of them. And then, like, uh, Tannehill missed a receiver a couple times. Like, he missed Robert Woods, I felt like, twice for what should have been touchdowns. Um, and that came – basically, that's that's what it came down to. Now, like, people can gripe about Tannehill or whatever. It, he's usually great in the red zone. That is one of the things that he is best at. And it is hard to be great in the red zone in this league. You know, red zone numbers have been way down this year. Yep. Um, and – 
the Titans have not been a victim of that, you know, until this game, basically. So um, it's it feels to me like an anomaly in that sense. And if you want to look at it like, you know, well, Titans could have won this game just as easily as they lost it against a, a good Bengals team. I still think they're right there, kind of with the the top teams in the conference. Yes. They're just not. This ultimately was a coin flip game against a team that's considered a contender, and yet the Titans aren't. And it's it's unfortunate that the the coin flip games have gone, not gone their way as much this year, right? Like, well, in watching this game, I was reminded of the the great conversation we had a couple weeks ago on the show about why nerds hate this team, and it was kind of revenge of the nerds, and it's kind of been revenge of the nerds in in recent weeks with the Titans. We talk about how like you know, the the numbers tell you that turnovers are a regressive stat. The numbers tell you that red zone efficiency are a regressing stat. The numbers tell you that um, one score games are are regressing stat and the Titans have broken the mold on all three of those things in recent years. Well, in the past month or so, in terms of one score games, in terms of uh, turnovers, in terms of their ability to, to win these, these tight games, they've, They've kind of gone. Excuse me. Their their ability to convert in the red zone. All three of those things have kind of regressed to the mean for the Titans. And uh, you know they they may have may have lost their magic, but also it may just be a you know it's it's a hiccup in the in the wave, the natural wave of things. So yeah, and I mean look, they're still like six and three in one score games this year. So I think it's still they're still they've still got that ability that, that yeah. they're better at closing out tight games than most teams are they are um but they've you know they've had a couple hiccups here and there and look you know the defense hasn't created a turnover in two weeks after going i think it was seven straight games with at least one turnover created yep. that is a, a an issue where you know you're just not you're not getting those kind of like game swinging type of plays. Um, Mario Edwards told me in the locker room after the game, something that I'd never heard before that that was great with turnovers. One, you're in it two, you win it. And uh, they've not even yeah. been in it in recent weeks. Yeah. I, I think that's, um, I think that's fair. And like, like, if you look at the stats, I mean, you know, turnovers are probably like the single biggest predictor of wins and losses, you know, if you look at it, over besides a points scored, here, yes, I'd say yeah. that, that is the biggest exactly. predictor of how you win and lose games for sure. Yeah. If you look at, if you tell me who wins the turnover battle and by how much I can tell you, like, you know, basically who's going to win the game 90% of the time, you know? Yep. So um, it's, it is one of those things. And I think the Titans defense is good at creating turnovers because they do get pressure um, and, and things like that. And t- typically pressure is tightly correlated to turnovers, um, but they they do need to get a few breaks in that department here. Uh, you know, and, and hopefully that their luck will swing back the other way. Cause it's, it's not like they've uh, completely stopped getting pressure. Um, but you can tell, like, I felt like the Packers game, and then even more so the Bengals game were the two games where recently, at least in recent past, where the pressure just wasn't as constant. Uh, and that's where the turnovers come from. So the turnovers yep. have dried up. Um, and I think that's a direct correlation to them not getting as much pressure over the last couple of games. So they need to find that, that, that kind of switch again with the the front and the pass rush and turn it back on. Uh, and I think that'll fix some of the issues. And then, you know, they've got to score more points on offense. Hey, that's, that's still ultimately uh, a problem. Um, 
and you would think red zone would not be something that will linger as an issue moving forward just because of how good they've been at, at it for so long. Um, no, I don't think so. Let's let's wrap up our film segment here with the most infuriating bit of film that I think came from this game. This was the worst call all day long against the Titans. Uh, obviously, the point of this is to, to point out again how Joe Burrow was able to to kind of sting the Titans with his legs here, but it's capped off with a with a horrible personal foul. Yeah, that should not have been called. Ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Molden does all that he can at the end of that, trying to jump and miss, and actually does jump and miss. Um, and this is actually, I mean, it's a it's a good pass rush uh, to start with that that side of it. But yeah, look at what is Molden supposed to do here? He he slides right into his leg. 90% of the contact is between the Titans players. It has nothing yeah, he, to do with Joe. He jumps and hits Hooker to try to avoid hitting Burrow. Um, so also, Burrow isn't really hit. Like, he doesn't actually – he kind of just slides down and falls under all of it. Exactly, yeah. But, yeah, extremely ridiculous penalty. Um, but – uh, the pass rush is pretty good here. Like Demarcus Walker wins. Um, but again, he wins while tier tart is also going to the same side. Like, so you just have like a parting of the seas there. And then you've got Sam, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the last name, Sam o on the other side. And he's just kind of floating in no man's land. I mean, just, and it uh, looks like maybe he pulls a hammy or something. I, I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, it's just there's just wide open lanes and you just cannot have these gigantic lanes that open up in the middle of the pocket like that. Um, and, you know, again, it's not been a, a pandemic issue kind of for, for the Titans all year. It, you know, it's just something that popped up in this game, but something that must be corrected quickly with Jalen Hurts on tap. All right, that's going to do it for our film study this week for the week 13 edition of the Mike Herndon show. We have a lot more to talk about, though, and if you're listening or watching on YouTube for free, this is the end of the road for you, unless unless you go to broadwaysportsmedia.com right now and become an insider today. For just 99 cents, you can get your first month. That's practically free. You get the entirety of the Mike Herndon Show, all the stuff we're going to talk about here in a minute, which includes an extensive Titans-Eagles preview, a lot of different things to talk about there, the A.J. Brown angle of things, the Titans needing to get a win on the road to avoid an 0-2 slump, and then we've got the Moneymaker Mike segment continuing to make you a refund on all of your purchases uh, with BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We can make the money back that you're spending on this subscription if you just listen to the premium portion of the show and bet with us. And the final part of today's episode is the mic drop segment. Mike has his hottest take of the week that he's going to lay on us, which is always a good time. All of that can be yours for just 99 cents when you use code insider at broadwaysportsmedia.com. Become an insider today. Beyond your first month, you can cancel any time, but after your first month of just a dollar, you get each and every month for just the price of a cup of coffee, which is practically nothing. You can also become an annual subscriber using code annual when you subscribe to get for a limited time, $20 off your annual subscription, just 50 bucks, $49.99 for a whole year. You can set it and forget it. In addition to this show with the insider pass, you also get all of our premium written content. You get early access to certain written content. You get access to special fantasy leagues that we do year round. We'll, almost certainly be doing a uh, March Madness bracket tournament challenge. 
with our insiders. So even outside of the football season, we're going to have stuff going all year round. I know our Speedway soccer guys are going to have some soccer things going on in that department. A lot of awesome content that you can't get unless you become an insider. Use code INSIDER for your first month, just to 99 cents, or code ANNUAL for $20 off your annual subscription. Go and do that. Come right back, and we will be with you to talk Titans and Eagles. Until then, this has been it for the free, free portion of the Mike Herndon Show.